So Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 15 through 20. And if, you're any, if, if you've been a, a Bible reader for any amount of time, you know um, Colossians is an awesome book. And if you've never read it, go read it. It's probably one of my favorites. Um, there's, so much, there's so much theology in there. It's very rich. Um, it's, it's, it's really good to, to chew on and, and to, try to try to understand and try to, try to grasp how it applies to our lives. But let's read it together. And it's talking about the supremacy of Christ. It's verses 15 through 20. Um, it says this, the, the, son of, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, y'all say all things, all things have been created through him and for him. All things have been created through him and for him, for his purposes. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among, from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. In all things that he might have the supremacy. So my heart this morning, because of this truth that we're reading in Scripture, verse 15 through 20, because of this truth as a church, we will always honor him first with all that we do. We will always honor him first. We talk about this nonstop in here. We will always honor God with our time, with our treasure, with our talent, with everything that he gives us, we give back to him because it was his to begin with, right? We give him our lives. We give him our everything because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and all things were created by him, for him, through him, so that he might have the supremacy, so that he might be before all things like it says in scripture. What this means is what it says in verse 18 is that all of this was so that Jesus would have supremacy in everything. And so today, my question for you as we get going in this is does Jesus have supremacy in your life in every area? I'm not talking about the compartments that you've allowed him in. I'm not talking about the things that you've allowed him to touch or to see or to, or to understand or, or you've, things you've confessed, but does he have supremacy in every area? Does Jesus have that? So the question is that. So what this means is if you're going to say Jesus is Lord, if you come in here and say Jesus is Lord, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, if you're saying those things, it means that Jesus gets the first and the best of everything in your life. Everything. Not, not, just, your, not just your work, not just your money, not just your, your talents, not just your marriage, not just your kids, not just your house, not just the things in your life. He gets the first and the best of all of it because he's the reason why you have it. He's the one that's given you all those things. You look in this thing, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That covers everything. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It says, love the Lord your God. And I was reading that, those four or five words, love the Lord your God, spoke, spoke into my heart a little bit because if he's not Lord, this entire verse is impossible. If he's not Lord, he can't, you can't love him. If he's not Lord, you can't love him with anything, much less your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If he's not Lord, that's going to be a challenge for you. But we want to ask you today that we want to challenge ourselves as a body to start asking ourselves this week. Ask God this question as, as you go out through the week. God, what is the level of my giving and my time and my treasure and my talents that would unequivocally declare that you are first in my life? What is the level? What is that, where does that line at, God? What does it look like for me to give, to, to go, to, what does it look like in all these areas to unequivocally declare to the world, to this church, to you, God, that you have the first of everything in my life? What does that look like? Because, you know, I, what is that for you individually? So my question for me is like, why, why are we asking this of our body? Why are we challenging ourselves with this question? 
Because we want to see God continue to move in this place like he has over the past year. Like we've already seen him move, the things we've seen through he do in people's lives. The, we're going to share in this series the, the, the things that we've seen God do this year. But just, just a little hint, we've seen 22 people get saved in this church this year. That's amazing. That God is moving in this place. We've seen these things moving. And then, but I want to see him move like we've never seen him move before. Right? I want to see more. I want to see you move like I've never seen God. I want to see the things in Scripture come alive in my life. I want to see, I want to see, uh, I want to see the signs and the wonders, the things that you're trying to do in the body, God, the things the people are getting saved around us, the people getting baptized, lives being changed. God, I want to see that. Don't, don't y'all? Because we want to see that together. And we know in Scripture what we look like, we, if, we, if we'll set our hearts, and Scripture says if we'll set our hearts to humble ourselves before God and honor Him first in everything that we do, it says He will do unimaginable things around us just because we're obedient and just because we're surrendered to him. We'll see him move because he'll have to because we can't do it in our own power. And whenever we lay the power down and pick up the cross, he does it all. And it's awesome to watch him move in us in that way just by saying and proclaiming to the world, Jesus, you're, you're, you're first in all we do. And my prayer is that will be what we are as a church, but also what you are in your homes. Your, your husbands, your wives, your, your friends, your, your workplaces, God, you're first. Jesus, you're first. And not just saying that as some sort of cliche, but literally meaning, God, you're first. You're first in all things. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, if, if, if I'm living in sin, I'm coming out of it, God, because you're first. You deserve the best of my life. God, I want you because he's already done amazing things in this house, but, but we believe that he's just getting started. Lord, as I pray and as I go, as I go open scripture and as I look at the mission and the vision of our church, and I start begging God to show me more and more and more. As I hear our staff talking, as I hear the connect group leaders in this body talking, it's very evident that he, God is moving and it's because of their surrender. It's because of them giving God everything and not wanting anything from him. They just want to see him move because guess what? We have a lot of work to do in this world because the world is dying and going to hell without Jesus. And it's our job to love them and show them Christ. It's our job to show them the gospel. We have people to reach. We have people right outside these doors within a mile of this church, within 200 yards of this church that need Christ. And we're called to go and to be examples, to be the gospel bearers of, of, the, of, of, of the kingdom. We, we, we believe there's cities to reach. We believe we're meant to call, we, we believe we're called to plant churches in other cities around, the, around our nation, around our state, around our world. We believe there's nations that don't know Jesus and they need to know him because the gospel is meant to be shared throughout the world. And so what this means for you is you have a decision to make. If you're here today, I, I just have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that you fall into a few different categories. One, you're not a believer. You, you don't hide that. But you have questions, and you're kind of like, you know what, I might, I, I just, I just want to know more information. Two, you may have been of church your whole entire life, and you may, have, you may have taken communion from the time you were seven days old. Yeah, I don't know. You may, have been, you, you may have been in the church since you can remember, but your life has never shown any fruit of that attendance. You, you may have, or you may be rocking with the Lord. God may be moving in mighty ways in your life. But whatever it is, you have a decision to make today as you're here. Like, do you keep doing church just like you've always done it? I just go to church on Sundays, go to connect group here and there, I go to Sunday school, depending on where I go to church at. Or will you become an active member, a participant in what God is trying to do through his church as we read it in Scripture? Not what, I not what some pastor is telling you how to live or if this is how the structure of the church is ordered. But when you open Scripture, is your life starting to change? Are you starting to see this move in your life? You're starting to see, like, look, 
Uh, if God is supreme, if Jesus is supreme and everything that I have is his and everything that I have is given to me by him for, for a purpose of him being supreme in my life and the people's lives around me, what does that mean for my life? That means I can't just live it like I normally do. That means I can't just keep doing the things I normally do because I'm comfortable, because I've, I've created this sphere around me that keeps me safe and secure and comfortable. That means I'm called to live on mission. And if I'm living on mission, that's dangerous sometimes. That's scary sometimes. That's, 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 I need a father. I need a savior to come by and, and walk with me. Uh, you know, we need to be asking ourselves, are we stepping into the giftings that God has called us in? If you've been saved for any amount of time, are you walking in the giftings that God has put in your life from the beginning of time to become alive when you've received Jesus and to be used for the kingdom to be built? Are you walking in those things, how you were called to walk in those things? Are you giving God everything? And if you don't have a church home, if you've just been coming here uh, for church, and you've just been coming here for the services and the, and the sermons and the worship, you, know, you need to decide, is, is connection my home? And just and jump on board with this movement that God is calling us to and get off the fence because we believe that God wants to do through this house far surpasses all that we can imagine. We're believing him for some huge things. Like we're committed to be a church that does things for Jesus with so much faith where if God doesn't move, we look stupid. That's what we want. That's, that's our heart. We, we want to be so faithful to him and have so much faith that he's going to move that if he doesn't, we look like we look crazy as a church. That's the heart behind what we're doing because faith is always grown in the soil of uncertainty. It's always grown in those moments where I'm not sure if this is where I should go, but, you know, God is moving. I don't know. Taking that step, God, is by faith for faith. By faith, I'm stepping for more faith that God's going to give me, just like Abraham. And so a year ago, if you guys remember, we were homeless at this point in time. Anybody remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that. Wow, there's a lot of people in there. Remember that. We were homeless. We were home. We didn't, have, we didn't have a home. We were like, uh, guys, I got, up, I got up on a Sunday. I was like, I'm a, I got some scary stuff today. We ain't got nowhere to meet next year. Everybody was crickets. And so what we did, we, we fasted and prayed, God, show us what you want. Show us what you want. We had a decision to make. Do we want to stay comfortable and stay in Pooler? Do we want to stay in this place where we can, it's, we can probably find something we don't know. It'll, it'll be comfortable or move to a place that would not be convenient or comfortable, but more people would be reached, more ministry opportunities would be had, and we would, have, we would be able to be stretched in our faith. And since then, what you have seen, we've been able to form ministry partners in Savannah. We've been able to reach people with the gospel. We've seen people meet Jesus in this room and outside these doors. We've seen families get a hand up in life, not just a hand out. We've seen families learn how to take care of themselves, how to do, their, how to do budgets, how to, how to do these things. And after, after being blessed with a building, we, had, we got blessed with this building um, last year, we had some renovations to do because if you remember right, this place was not ready to be, not, it was not ready. It didn't, look, it didn't look like this, I'll tell you that. It looked rough and it was scary and I was scared for my safety, much less our kids. And so I was like, we got some work to do. And so ignorantly, I come before you last year, and I was like, guys, we're going to set a goal of $10,000 to help in the renovations. That wouldn't have touched it. But God was bigger. God knew. So I came before you, and I was like, God, you know, we, we want to raise $10,000 in above and beyond offering, and we want to go above what we normally go so we can go beyond where we normally go. And we want to we go. And God moved in the hearts of our church, and we raised $52,000. And so what happened in that moment was like God said, you know what, Michael, you know, I got this for a minute. You just step over here for a minute. And he, and he, and he, showed, he showed his faithfulness in spite of our, 
our ignorance in a lot of ways. And so he showed, he, and, and the thing is, we were able to do, do all this so that we can reach more people. We had a home base for missions. We had a home base for ministry. We were able to reach more kids. We were able to reach more students. We were able, we were able to do more of what he was calling us to do, more than we would have ever been able to do at the school. And God knew that, and God moved in our hearts to be able to do that. And what I, what I want to tell you is that we've seen ministry through this body We've seen a ministry start through a couple of this body at Chatham Apartments where children and families are being reached with the gospel. People are hearing the gospel twice a month at this, at, at this apartment complex a mile away. We've seen ministry partners formed in our city, but also around our world. We've seen missionaries be supported. We see families being assisted without help who would have otherwise gone homeless. We've seen families fed without help who would have otherwise gone hungry because of your generosity, because of the things that you've been doing to see this building and this body grow. Because of this church's generosity, we have saw God move in incredible ways. And because we believe Ephesians 2, or excuse me, Ephesians 3, 20, it says God is able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we can ask or all that we can imagine according to his power that works within us. We are echoing Moses when God commanded his people, God commanded Moses and his people to the promised land. In Exodus 33, 14 through 16, this is what Moses said. He says, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me or my people until you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? That is our heart. In this building, we don't want to do anything without God going with us. We don't want to do anything without God guiding us, directing us, leading us, because we've seen God walk with us every step of the way of Connection Church. We've seen him in the first meetings in the karate school whenever we were, we were meeting here, and then the 20 feet this way, there were 30 kids meeting with, with a, just a, a, a pipe and drape. With all, there was cloth blocking the sound. It was crazy. So listen, if you want to bring your kids to church, it will never distract me, I promise, because there was 30 kids wrestling over here, okay? So I got it, okay? And so anyway, um, Lord, the Lord did some sanctification in that, so it was good. Um, so it, whether it was that or whether it was God's provision at Godly Station, because we didn't have a contract with the Chatham County School Board until the weekend before we started meeting at Godly Station. We were freaking out. God moved. And then Last year we were homeless and now God moved again and we're here and God's provided for us every step of the way. And we really believe when you're serving Jesus that our best days are always going to be ahead of us. We really believe that no matter what happens, our best days are always ahead of us. In 10 years, 20 years, we're going to look back and like whoever's here, how many people we have, we're going to look back and say, man, look what God's done over these years. My gosh, he's so faithful. And we're going to see people baptized, people saved, people reached. And so that's why we're doing this series that's called All In because we're calling our entire church on the carpet, say, are, are, where are we at? Are you in on this mission and vision? Are you all in with God? This, this week, week one, we're talking about, are you all in with God? Week two, we're talking about being all in with the church. Week three, we're talking about being all in with seeing this community reach for the gospel. And then the last week, we're talking about being all in to see the nations reach. And our main goal of this series is for us to ask the question, is God the, all, the one thing that drives everything else in your life? That to answer this question, is God the one thing that drives everything else in your life? Or is it 
or is it something else that you may be worshiping? And that's the, that's the main thing. Um, the secondary goal we want to accomplish in this is over the next four weeks, we're asking you to pray together as a church, come together. We've prayed, we fasted for 21 days. We prayed individually. Now we want to come together as a church. We're going to have a prayer and worship night this Friday. We're going to come together. We're going to be praying for what God wants us to do individually to see the things that he's calling us to do come to pass. Kind of like we did last year with our above and beyond offer. He's, he's calling us to come, to, to come alive in what he's calling us to. And at the end of these four weeks, we'll be having a time of commitment where you'll be able to have a chance to say, me and my family, we're in. Me and my family are on board with what you're doing. Me and my, me and my family are on board with what God, with what you're doing here. And we're gonna have another above and beyond offering of this year where we're gonna ask everyone that calls Connection Church home to give what God is leading them to give above and beyond what's normal. Not, not, we're not, there's no expectation on this. We're asking you to pray and ask God and be obedient. We have a goal because we've had some people look at our building in the back because right now, if you go back there, it's, it's a construction zone. And our students are playing back there every week. Hope there's no legal people in here. But our, 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 our students are playing back there every week in this place that's unfinished. And I feel like for them to invite their friends, we need to provide them a place where they can have that's theirs that feels like they have a home to come worship in and come hear the, the gospel in and, and to play in and to have a good, good time in. And we want to have a place, if you haven't noticed, um, we're growing a little bit and you're seeing a lot of uh, clutter in the hallway with people just kind of hanging out. So if it's your first time here, you kind of had to, to kind of navigate a little bit. And so we're trying to open up a spot over here so that we can have a place to congregate as a body, to hang out, to love one, one another, maybe connect groups can meet in. And so that's the heart behind what we're doing. But if, <clears throat> if you look, our goal is to raise $32,000 to wisely expand our building that God has provided for us, for our students, for our kids, but also so that we can generously give, not just on a monthly basis, but we can go to our ministry partners and say, here, here's some money for you. Use it to what God wants you to do. But guess what? We're not just going to give you money. We'll give you people to volunteer with you. That's the heart. The, the facilities is secondary. Missions, outreach is, is, is the first goal in this. We're also going to use this money to send people who might not be able to go on mission trips. We want to help support some of those people. We want to send, some, we want to send money to our missions partners. We want to be able to do those things. And that's the heart behind what we're doing. And some of you may be here this morning like, oh, God, we're talking about money again. But guess what? Jesus talked about money. And guess what? The thing closest to your heart is the thing you worship. And so this morning, that's the heart behind it because we want to see this work. And I think we have a graphic. Do we have a graphic? Maybe. I hope we do because I'm going to look real bad. <clears throat> Maybe not. Okay. I'll show it to y'all next week. How about that? Okay. I'll show it to you next week. So, <laughs> all right. So this won't be a, this is not like a replacement tithe. This is not something where it's a one-time offering on top of what is normally for us. And listen, this is not saying, hey, well, listen, last year we met our goal the first Sunday I, I preached. We've got a goal of $10,000. Somebody can't say, here you go. But also somebody, somebody, other people can't do that. And that's fine. That's not what it's about. It's not about money. It's about obedience. And it's about us seeing a need, meeting a need, being able to support our missionaries, being able to support these people, and be able to do this generously with, as a church. And so here's what I need you to do. I need you to start leaning in and praying over the next four weeks about what God would have you do and respond to him. Not to me, not to our church. Respond to him. Because he's the Lord. He's the king. He's the one over all things. But my, my, my hope is that you would be able to ask the question, God, is this what you're, what do you want me and my family to do? And then he'll show you. And so if you call Connection Church home, I need you to go first. Saying, Lord, this is what it looks like for me and my family for, to love you with our all. So over the next four weeks, that's the heart behind what we're doing is bringing this in and showing, um, showing you what God is trying to do in this body. And so um, 
we're going to talk more as we go through this series, but um, our hope is that one day, years from now, we'll be able to look over this, the, the first part of these first two years, that the next generation of these classrooms right behind you, these kids, will be able to, you'll be able to share with them what God did through our faith in him, that this will be a launching pad, and that this, this will be the beginning stages of what God has next for our church. Like I've told you, it has never been, and it never will be about money. Never been, and never will be about money. I think you see my graph right now. Great, Yes. Spent a lot of time on that thing, man. You know what I mean? So, and so you can see kind of how it's broken down. You can see um, half of it is going to go to our facilities. Half of it is going to go to our ministry partners and outreach. And then a, a percentage of it will go to starting um, a, a fund for our church planning and sending ministry we're going to have eventually. And so you can see, I'll show you this. And this, let me tell you, this is how cool this is, man. Last year, at this point, whenever we were homeless, you see these little pins right here? Okay, I'm not going outside. You can just look. So you see these little pins? Those weren't on the map last year. Since then, we've had, we've, had, um, we've had some relationships formed in Thailand, Sri Lanka, Syria, and Israel. We also have one in Kenya and also in Haiti. Those places are not necessarily where we're going, but we've been in conversations with those people to see what God may have for us in those areas. And that's the heart behind our church is to be a sending church, who's planting churches, sending missionaries, and reaching our community with the gospel. That's the heart. That's the heart about what we're doing, why we're doing all these things. And I've told you before, it's never been about money, but it's about our obedience to what God is calling us to do. We're going to fight to do it boldly. All right. Done with business. Guys, this, this whole entire thing is about our hearts turning back to Jesus. Because what I think Paul was talking about in, in chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul was saying, what is true in your theology must also be true in your life. You can't just come in here and say, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. I believe everything this Bible says because I'll have people in my, in, in my life who have, this Bible, there's no error in this Bible. Everything is in this Bible is true. I believe it until I'm dead. But then rarely live out some of the things they're talking about in it. The church is riddled with people in that category because God has invited us, as you see on that graphic, as you, as you hear about in the words that I'm saying today, God has invited us into his story to do what he's doing in our community and in our world. And that is amazing that he would even invite us into his plan. To him say, you know what, Michael, hey guys, let's come and, come and join me where I'm working. How amazing is that? The God of all creation would invite me, invite you on his mission, on his plan to be the hands and feet, to be the things that he uses on earth to reach people, to reach the world for the gospel. And in the first week of this series, what we're doing is we're gonna look at what we believe the first thing that God is trying to do with his people. That's you. If you're a Christian here today, or this is you. We believe that God wants every part of your heart. He wants he wants all of it. He wants an undivided heart. He doesn't want to be divided with anything. And, and what I told you a second ago, what is true in our theology must become true in our hearts. What we say we believe must be seen in how we live. We can't just speak it because the world is tired of seeing Christians say one thing and do another. The world is tired of seeing hypocritical Christians. That's why people don't trust the church because they come to church, they hear messages, and then they see their Christian friends acting like crazy people. And it doesn't make sense to them. It's time for us to walk in the truth of the scripture that we're reading and saying we believe. He's Jesus, or Paul is saying, Jesus should have first place, the supremacy in everything. And that means he should have the first place in your heart. He should be the one you that you love the most, more than everything. It's not okay just to come in here and say, you're the way maker, you're the miracle worker, God. I'm gonna build my life on your name, on your love, God. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would change me and then walk out of here and not take the steps that he's calling you to take. 
It's, it's not okay to walk out of here and pretend like this is just something that you do on a Sunday. It's not okay just to go to a connect group once a week, spill your guts and feel like that's okay, like a confessional, and then walk away. It's time for us to live what God has called us to do. God, he has to be first place in our obedience. We have to be obedient to him no matter what the cost. Because if I'm saying, Lord, Jesus, you're my Lord, that means there's no question about my obedience. If I'm saying, Lord, and I'm not being obedient, there's a disconnect in that moment. Like what he wants to do should have first consideration in anything you do. If it doesn't, what if he wants you to move? What if he wants you to give? What if he wants you to send your child as a missionary somewhere? What if he wants you to move overseas somewhere? Have you boxed him off so much that you can't even hear that anymore? You know what I mean? Like does his, does his will and his way have complete supreme authority in your life? He has to have first place in your priorities. Where are your priorities in your life right now? Where, what, do you, what do you see as most important? Is, does his mission drive your life? Does his mission push everything in your life to see his kingdom come, his will be done on this earth, and is this in heaven? And this church, we talk a lot about this, and, and we talk about it being evident, being revealed in three different ways. Um, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know we talk about time, treasure, and talent because the thing, those three things kind of are, are all encompassing in your life. You, ha- you, you, you can't never get more time, right? You, you know, treasure is, is something that we value. It's our money, it's our resources, our assets. We like those a lot because we like to get more stuff. We're America, right? We want the prettiest and shiniest, right, of everything. Um, and then the talents. God, you guys, God's given you a talent to be used for, for his glory. God didn't give you a talent so that you can be used for your glory. It's not, God didn't give you the gift of discernment or the gift of, of being able to do the career that you do or whatever it may be or to sing so that you can get accolades. He, he gave you those things so that you can point that back to him and say, Jesus, you're Lord, you receive the glory. It's about him, not about me. I'm just his vessel. And so you look in your time. Think about it. Just, just think in your daily life. Just go with me here. In your time, does God get the first and the best of your time? Your time. Or, or is it, divided so much that you barely can fit him in 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 this moment. I've got to get up at five because I have no more time during the day to spend with him. Like, do you spend more time worrying about your career than you do seeking Jesus? Is your in your weekly commitments, the things you do every week, you can't the things you do every week, are you are your commitments to the Lord, to the kingdom of God, are they first? Like small group or church or or ministry or outreach or volunteering, whatever it may be for you. Or are these the thing, first things to go once you get busy? Like my time with God goes when I get busy, or is it, or is it the things I'm committed to with my time? Number two is talents. Like in your talents, when you think about your talent or your career or the things that you're good at, the things God's gifted you with, does the kingdom of God get first consideration? God gave you a talent for a reason. You're not just gifted for, for no reason. He's given it to you for a reason. Your workplace the, the place you might hate going from time to time is a mission field. It's a mission field. It's not meant for you. It ain't, it ain't for you. He's got you on mission in that place. How well are you stewarding that talent to be able to be used for the kingdom? We, we've, we've, we see our jobs, we have to see our jobs as a means to bring the gospel to people. Like some of you may know like people at your office that are doing that. And you're like, man, I wish I could do that. Some of, you, some of you may be here today because of somebody at your job trying to present the gospel to you. I'm glad you're here. God gave you a talent for a reason. 
It's in time that we get and use the talents that he's, he's given us for a reason. Um, number three, it's in your treasure. Is he getting the first and the best in your treasure? The question is, who or what gets the first and the best of your treasures, of your money? of the assets that you have, the things that you do with your money, the earnings from your work. Think of, think of what you do with your time, or your, excuse me, think of what you do with your treasure or your money in two categories. The first and the best, and then good enough, right? The first and the best, and then just good enough. Well, this will do, I mean, for example, like me and my wife were looking at homes back in April, and we are like, we could get this house, but we would have to sacrifice over here, right? We, we, we could do this, but we would have to sacrifice to be able to do it. We could go buy this car, but we would have to stop doing this. Or we could get this, but we have to stop doing that. Or sending our kids to college. Listen, if we're going to save for college since we have two kids, two babies, we're going to have to save a lot of money for college, so we can't do this anymore. You know, so it's kind of a, a first and the best versus good enough. So I'm going to maybe do something a little less for me, so that I can do something a little more for my kids. I'm going to do something a little less over here on a house so that I can do something a little more with my family or spot some things that they may need or what. So I, th I think about that as being good enough, first and best. So I'm looking at the supremacy of Christ in Colossians. Is God supreme in my money? You know, hear me in this. There's nothing wrong with, with doing some things in your family that are first. And that, that's, not, that's not my question. My question is why we really ask questions like this in light of our giving to the kingdom. You know, we can, we can give this amount. We can, we can give to the kingdom. We can, we can give to this missionary. We can be a missionary, but we would have to stop doing this. We can do this and this and this, but we would have to stop doing this. Instead, we ask, how much can we afford to give after all these other commitments are done? After all these other commitments are fulfilled, how much do we have left over? That's kind of how it is in the church. And I know there's a lot of people in this room that are like, I wish we would quit talking about money. Listen, it is what it is, man. This is, this is truth. This is scripture, guys. This is what we're talking about in this moment. You know, it's, it's what can we afford from our leftovers to give God, to give back to God. Is Jesus your Lord? If he's your Lord, he deserves more than just leftovers. If he's your Lord, he deserves the first and the best. Because I promise you, if you could tear back the, 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 the fabric of time and space and you were to stand in front of God right now in front of his kingdom, throne, all these things, and, you, and, and you, I promise you in that moment, you in his presence would only desire to give him the best you had because you see how worthy he is. And so as I always tell you in this place, any spiritual problem we have is always because we have a view of God that's too small. So our heart is to get before God and to get to that, to get to that place because our two questions we talked about is, this, is God the one thing that drives everything else in your life? Is he the one thing that drives everything else in your life? And the second thing is what would it look like in your life if we truly loved God with our all? In Psalms 27, probably one of my favorite Psalms, verse four, David, listen to the heart of David. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord. Let's just stop there. One thing I ask from the Lord. Not a zillion things, not 10,000 things. One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. That's the heart of a man who's seen God and is going after him with all his heart. God, I need you. I want to be in your presence. God, I just want to live in your presence. And one of the saddest things that I've ever witnessed, that you ever witnessed in the church, is in our culture, is a Christian who tries to follow Jesus while also trying to live in the world. 
That, that's the hardest, that's the saddest thing that you'll ever see. Doing what the world does, worrying about what the world worries about, this can never work, man, because you're tying your soul to the world and to God, and it rips you apart inside. And you can't do it. It hurts. And you, that's why you see depression in the church and no joy. That's why you see all these things happening with sin, moral failures, because you're trying to live over here with the sin, but you're also trying to live over here with God. You can't enjoy God because you're living in sin, and you can't enjoy sin because you're trying to live with God. You see that? It's impossible. It's like watching somebody trying to get out of a boat really slowly onto a dock, okay? Listen, I had one of the best grandpas that ever lived. His name was Truman Page. He, he, he loved fishing. We, uh, one of the funniest fishing stories, I'm gonna try to do this without laughing or crying, okay? So one of the funniest fishing stories I will ever remember is we were going to this little pond that he had found that hadn't been fished in like five years. So it was like, big fish, awesome. So there's a dock and there's this boat. He says, we can just use this boat. I'm like, this is not going to end good. And so I'm in the boat. I'm probably... 14, 15, I don't know, but um, we're getting in this boat. He says, you get in, and, uh, and I'll, I'll push this off. So I get in. I got a tackle box. I got the fishing poles, and he gets in. He's, he's older, you know, so he's a little shaky, and so he gets in, and I start seeing his legs start kind of shaking a little bit, and he's moving. I'm just like, this is going to be bad, man. I'm about to go into water. Sure enough, he's in the water, and so listen, he falls in, and it, it's funny now, but then I was terrified because I was only 14, but listen, sooner or later, you're going to have to decide the boat or the dock. You're not going to be able to do that for very long unless you're really flexible. And even then, you're going to fall in. The moment you have to decide the boat or the dock, sooner than later, you got to decide. We come to church. We hear a message about the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the truth of the gospel, who Jesus really is. We walk an aisle. We pray a prayer. We, we do something superficial. But is there fruit? Is there fruit in your life that says that, that man's a man after God's own heart? Because if you've ever seen somebody full of the Holy Spirit, there's no denying that person's um, association with God. Listen, we, we try to set up our lives around some sort of security in our, in our culture that makes us feel better about the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It can be anything. It can be money. It can be relationships. It can be houses, cars, anything. Relationships, it can be anything. We compartmentalize our lives. We have our relationships, we have our, our church, we have our time with God, we have our work, we have our money, we have our kids, we have our wife, we have all these things where nothing touches the other. It's kind of like we have them all neatly placed and nice and neat. And please hear me, I'm not saying there's something wrong with saving or living smart or having friends, or, but, it, but if you read the entire Bible, you'll see the Bible promotes saving and, and living smart. But the problem occurs when we, put, we begin putting our faith and our trust in anything other than Jesus. Our, our problem comes whenever our hearts get tied to something besides Jesus. Because what happens, whenever your heart gets tied to something besides the Lord, you have an idol. And that idol starts desensitizing your heart. It starts moving you away from the Lord. It starts moving you away from Christian community. It starts moving you away from effectiveness in the kingdom. And we're looking, we keep looking for that feeling of rest. Because let me tell you, you never drift towards hardship, right? You never drift like, I'm going to just go over here and be, get, have a hard life. I'm going to live on mission. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get persecuted. You never drift that way, right? You always drift towards the easy side. You always drift towards the easy, comfortable things. Like you never drift to working out, right? I've never drifted to the gym. I'll be honest with you. I've never got like really, you know, I'm, I'm bored. I'm going to the gym. No, I'm like, I'm going, I got bored. I'm going to Dairy Queen. That's more... <laughs> That's more of my, that's more of my, my life. I like blizzards, okay? So you never drift that way. 
You have to, but we always seek that rest, that security, that comfort, and we're seeking it in the wrong places because the rest and the security and the comfort can only be found in Jesus. It says in Colossians 1, that all things were created by him and for him and through him and for his glory. And guess what? You're one of those things. You were created for his glory. You were created to be, to be fully satisfied in Jesus. And the reason why you had to buy more stuff, get more money, do this, do this, do this, is because you're trying to fill that hole that you're not allowing Jesus to fill. And so all in, are we all in in that moment? And honestly, guys, we seek financial security. We buy insurance for everything we own. We have, we have this unsatis unsatisfiable appetite for more things to cater to their comforts and the, and the con conveniences that we have in our country. And in the end, let's be honest, it's really a control problem. I want to be in control. I'm not giving up control for anybody. I'll trust Jesus for my eternal security but I'm not giving up my control of my life because I can do it better than he can. We save money to become comfortable in retirement years. But let me ask you this. This is going to blow your mind. What if God's desire for you is not to retire? What if God's desire for you is to take your family and go to Africa? What if God's desire for you is to work for the rest of your life in the job that you're in to bring as many people to the gospel as possible? That goes against everything in our culture, Right? I don't, but I, listen, if God's in control, he's in control. Does he have first and the best in all of your life? And this is a hard topic, bro. This is hard to preach. I told Savannah, I told our prayer team, I'm scared to preach this message. I don't want to preach this message because it's hard because it goes against our culture. But I, God's God, he, and he's got it, man. He's going to do what he wants to with this thing. But my question is for us is do our lives tell a story of God's faithfulness, of his sovereignty, of his power, or is it more of a highlight reel of our own accomplishments that God's done through us or how much money we can make or how many, big a house we can buy or how, how beautiful our, our wives or our husbands are or, or how many kids and how perfect are they? Are we trying to create this false image and create more comfort and acceptance from other people and all the while just ignoring and brushing off the Great Commission when there are people dying without Christ? That's the heart behind asking you the question, is Jesus first? Because I want to tell you right now, if Jesus is first in our lives, does he get the best, does he get the first, or is he getting the leftovers? And to see God move in this church and in our lives that we're asking you to do, there's going to have to be an uncommon dependency on his presence. Something that even in church, an uncommon dependency on his presence even for the church. It has to go beyond what you know. And we have to be going to him as being the only thing that can bring us peace, the only thing that can bring us joy and contentment and comfort and fulfillment. We have to get to a place where we have a proper view of who he is as the king of kings, the creator and sustainer of all things. And we have to also get to a place of who we are. Because guess what? I am far worse than, I, than my wildest dreams and my sin. I'm so much worse than I think I am. But God is so much better than I think he is. And he's so much, I was about, almost said gooder. He's so much gooder than I, you know, he's so much better than, than, we, than we see him as. So we have to ask God to remove the scales from our eyes. Because listen, in our sin, we were dead, spiritually dead. We were lost. We had no hope. But God, because if he loved us, he died for us. He sent his son to die for us. And why did he do that? Just because he loved us. Just because he loved us, that doesn't make sense, right? We, I got to do something. No, because he loved us, let that sit in your heart and say, wow, 
Just because he loved me, Christ died for me. And when you see that picture with the great price of what he paid for our eternal security, we see the great responsibility that we have to go and share through the way we live and steward our lives. And I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about living in awe and wonder of who God is and with an inward thankfulness to the gospel. And our hearts begin to cry, Jesus, without you, everything else is just a cheap imitation of security and peace because you're the only thing that can satisfy my soul. You're the only thing that can satisfy anything inside of me. God, I'll never be satisfied with anything thing except you. You're my supply. You're my sanctification. You're my provision. You're my salvation. You're my God. I'm depending on you for life, for security, for my everything, God. You are my life. The breath that I breathe, I'm borrowing it from you. You're allowing me to breathe. The life I live, I'm borrowing from you. You've breathed life into me. That's the heart behind living for Jesus. I'll spend the rest of my days in awe of what he's done for me. I pray that you will too. I'm a living sacrifice on an altar of surrender, and I pray that's what we would be in this body. I pray that I would be able to say that for the rest of my life. Our culture calls us weakness. Our culture calls us weakness, but listen, if more reliance on him is the goal, then guess what? Weakness is an advantage. You know, the, great, the greater you need God, the greater is God's glory when he provides. This is 2 Corinthians 12. Go read it. It's awesome. We've seen this firsthand in this house, and we've talked about this before. And I have one point that I want you to see as we close. Guys, your life will have no kingdom impact apart from being completely and totally submitted to Jesus. Your life will have no kingdom impact apart from being completely and totally surrendered to Jesus. Guys, kingdom work done apart from Christ is kingdom work done for the wrong kingdom. It is. If you're trying to do this on your own, it's pointless. If you're trying to work for Jesus on your own power, it's pointless. You're, you're building your own and not his. What's the problem with the American church is that we're not dreaming big enough. We're not dreaming big enough. We're not seeing the bigger picture. What if we're not believing God for enough? What if we're depending on ourselves too much? You remember in Acts chapter 1 what it, what, what it was talking about? Or whenever Acts chapter 1, 6 through 8, whenever Jesus was about to ascend and the disciples, what did they say? It says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. All right. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. The disciples' vision was too small in thinking that Jesus was going to free them from Rome. It was too small. Like, he came to free them from their sin. Rome was nothing. <laughs> Rome was nothing, but they couldn't see that because they were seeing things too small. Is your vision too small this morning? Is your vision too small of what God's trying to do in your life, in the life of this church? Guys, have you surrendered to Jesus? I believe one of the reasons why churches of today have largely not looked like the church in Acts is that it's his dream too small. And without God-sized vision, you're always going to be tempted to be self-sufficient and trust God last instead of first. Because what if the comfort and the security that you're seeking today, what if the comfort and the security that we're seeking in our lives is a trap that is drawing us further and further away from God and the mission of God and the heart of God? What are the things we're seeking are a trap? Are they from God? Listen, it's so hard to, 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 it's so hard to radically give of your time and your treasure and your talent to the Lord, but it's so easy when you have proper perspective because those things weren't yours to begin with. It's literally given back to God 
what's already God's. Literally. It's literally like you give me a gift and I'm giving it back to you. Saying you, God, it's yours. It's easy to give him something when you have right perspective, guys, your talent, your treasure, your time. Think about your time. Who's had a loved one die recently? I have. We, we all have suffered loss on some level in our lives. Time is fragile, right? Time is short. Your time is a gift, it's a tool. Your talent, it's a gift, it's a tool. Think about how fragile your life is. You could be immobile like that. How many times have you, I mean, you, you're not promised tomorrow, you're not promised your legs, you're not promised your, your body, you're not promised anything. Your talents are fragile, use them for the kingdom. Your treasure is a gift, it's a tool. God's given you resources to, to use to build his kingdom, not to build your kingdom. Because I wanna tell you right now this morning, I wanna get real, no sane person on earth has ever found comfort in their possessions on a deathbed. Nobody. <laughs> but you do regret not spending more time with people. You do regret not spending your talent on places that it's worth it. And usually they do regret not following Jesus. <laughs> people on their deathbeds ask for preachers, not financial advisors. It's just true. And I want to tell you this morning as we close, I'm going to fight as hard as I can to see us be a Colossians 1 type church where Christ gets the supremacy in all things. From start to finish, from top to bottom, Jesus has supremacy in everything. And so as we enter into this season of, of above and beyond and all in, my heart today would be for you Knowing who Jesus is won't save you. Just knowing who he is won't save you. Since the demons believed, they know who he was. You gotta know Jesus himself. You gotta enter into a relationship with him. You can know all about God and still die apart from him. You can know all the facts about him and still die apart from him. You can't depend on God like we've been talking about today until you're dependent on him for salvation. Is that you today? Don't leave here the same. Don't let the gospel message become numb to you. Because I want to tell you, the gospel requires a response. The gospel is meant to be responded to. And not responding to the gospel eventually turns into rejecting the gospel. And so my heart today is God poking at your heart saying, son, come home, daughter, come home. I'm coming at you. I've been coming at you since you were born. That The things that I've funneled you through, the things that I've brought you through, the things that I got you to be here today, to hear this gospel was meant for you because I love you, I died for you. And I'm not asking you guys to have all the answers. I'm not asking you to know revelation and know the theology behind Romans. I'm asking you to know Jesus this morning and say yes. It's literally as easy as taking a step into his presence to say, God, I'm not good enough. I mess up all the time. I need you. I, there's something in my heart that's missing. There's a burden. My heart's racing. My heart is just, there's anxiety there, God. I, I'm just unsettled. I can't get it right. God, there's something missing. And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus is saying, that's me. I, I, you need me. You need me to come in and change your life. You need me to walk with you throughout life's troubles and trials and tribulations. You need me to love you like you're meant to be loved. Because guess what? Jesus loves you. Jesus pursues you in your sin. 
He pursues you in your death. Listen, let him into the places of your doubt. Let him into the places of your hurt. Let him into the places of your brokenness and let him heal those things. And so I want to ask you to be bold. This morning, if you know Jesus is saying, son, come home, daughter, come home. Listen, it's time. And you never said yes to Jesus as being your Lord. You may know, you may have heard people talk about him. You may, heard, you may have heard churches, whatever. But this is between you and Jesus this morning. If you want to talk to someone or pray with someone about receiving Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I just want you to be bold and just raise your hand so we can pray with you. Is that anybody this morning? Amen. Woo! anybody else? I mean, that's what it's about. Can we, can we do that some more? That's awesome. Is there anybody else? Today's day of salvation. Anybody? Okay. If not, I'll be here. There'll be people here to pray with you. We would love to pray with you. We would love to walk with you in that moment. If you're just needing prayer, this altar is wide open. This is not an area of shame. This is an area of deliverance and freedom. So let me pray for us. God, we love you. We praise you. God, we thank you for our brother who has walked into the kingdom today during this service. God, we praise you, Lord, for, for salvation. We praise you, God, for newness of life and for forgiveness of sins, Father. I thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I pray this morning, God, that you would just, as we go into a time of worship, God, that you would receive the glory and honor. Lord, we love you. In your name I pray. Amen.